Jack Roan, the myth, the man, the legend behind the noble preamp. Am I one of the few guys who has his in a flight case? I don't know. Is this a common thing? Yeah, well, so I... I do now sell a case oh, okay. for it with a fitted foam, but you have yeah. the older, yes, kind of more like We're the prototype. Do a review. So um, that was one of my first design. questions: Was this a prototype when you gave it to me? It was not intended when? to be. Oh, okay. Um, this was. <laughs> this was the design as I, you know, as best I could do it at the time. Okay. Um, I would say two pieces of advice that were given to me <laughs> not directly but one was like you can't just sit still until you have it all figured out okay you have to start taking steps yep. and iterate and so this was as best as i could figure it out i built it honestly after doing probably five or six okay i got a little bit frustrated so this one up. says number nine so on by it. that point i was like okay i have all the parts i have to do it but i have a different idea now i can see how i would do it differently okay right but i still have to go and finish out the run that I've paid for. Right. Uh, The other advice was see if someone will buy your prototype. Okay. And, you know, if they will, then that's great. If they won't, then... Why not, maybe? uh, Well, then maybe they'll tell you you? something that you need to fix. And so... Were there um, bass players, people who were listening and watching, know about that were were instrumental in terms of the feedback initially? Was it more locally or was it just your own intuition in terms of this is working or it's not? As far as like what created it or how like... Well, how it developed, like how it went from mm-hmm, looking mm-hmm, like this to being mm-hmm, way more compact mm-hmm. with the tubes and the power on the inside. Yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, let me say two things. One was I, the feedback from bass players. Tim LaFave stands out as like one of the guys that I think was the most direct with me. Okay. was basically <laughs> like, don't change it. This is great. Okay. So the audio circuit is is very similar okay across all the different ways that they look gotcha um the way that it physically looks different was just a matter of me like closing my eyes and rearranging the puzzle okay and fitting it in so from an engineering standpoint you're yeah. talking about okay um the original intent behind it was uh was a, a big long story and i'll just give you the the little ending of it unless you want to go dive in more into that but the idea of I was working with a bass player friend who had a pedal board and had a JDI on his pedal board, like right after his fuzz pedal, going to the house and had an SVT on stage that he was also using to monitor with. Okay. And he's like, man, this sounds so killer. And he's got the special EQ that he likes on the SVT. Yeah. And I was looking at him like, well, hold on though, but that's cool for you. But everyone else in the room is hearing the DI and not the amp. And... Um, I wanted to put the tubes in front of the DI, sure. essentially. And so, like, how do I get tubes on the pedal board, like, as part of a DI? Not not as a tube DI, but as, like, I want to take parts out of that amp and yeah. put it on sure. the, DI, the, uh, the pedal board. So, like, knobs and the EQ, because that's what he was all was like this is my don't touch it any knobs get moved you know like right you got all the little like this this little faders and so especially with one of those amps he can't carry it by himself someone else is like carrying it or someone would try to carry it by themselves and would like rub the knobs with their chest right with their you know what i mean they're trying to muscle it up onto the 810 and now he's got to go and like yeah and so okay so so my experience was coming here to santa cruz to play with 
Harris, with DRH, with David Ryan Harris, meeting you, uh, you giving me this and me taking it. I played it a little bit on that tour, but that tour was also a little crazy and super weird venues. So I didn't get the full experience until I got home, plugged it in in the studio and started to record with it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be huge. And lo and behold, five seconds later, it was. Now you, You overtook the DI preamp market and you've done what appears to me very minimal, if any, marketing or advertising or yeah. anything like yeah. that it's yeah so was obviously that speaks to the quality of the product and word of mouth was that a plan or was that a happy accident <laughs> or uh thank you thank uh, you um i love the story of like us connecting okay and because there's so much in it and so much backstory and And I always have to decide, like, how far back do I rewind when I start telling this story? Okay. I got into music in high school, playing the guitar. Sure. And it was very quickly, you know, there's all these effect pedals, and they're so fun and colorful, right. and, like, they do weird, cool sounds. But how does that work? I don't know. And I was always, like, really interested in it. And my dad had a soldering iron. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew something with the soldering iron could do something inside the pedal. Yeah. So that got me into electrical engineering and that's kind of the direction i went in college but even in high school i had a little bit of knowledge of technical things and like why does a microphone have three pins and you know the this cord only has two and um so my friends would be asking me about gear and how to fix gear and stuff like that so i started messing around just as a fun hobby it was not any goal as a corporate company (laughs) type of a thing it wasn't a career goal i had you know i was going to college for engineering and so i just started messing around as a hobby and i was making guitar amps and then i met uh, a friend of mine i was working with him on making an amp i went on tour kind of with his band to um just see how the amp the prototype amp was working on the road that's when i met into his bass player who i wanted to put this tubes on the pedal board but it was always just um, a fun hobby, sure, really. Yeah. And from time to time, they would get really excited of um, like, dude, when are you quitting your job, man? Like, <laughs> you got to go for it. And I was yeah. like, no, no, that's not at all in the plan. Um, I actually, the, the model I think that I had at that time was my dad, who for him, his thing, his passion is archery. Okay. And so growing up, like every weekend, he's out at the archery range, like shooting a bunch of targets and going bow hunting and all this stuff. And there's just bows and arrows in every room of his house, like way more than one man needs. Right. (laughs) And so that was his thing. And he had a archery business. He's like a dealer for gear, gear, archery gear um, and business cards and everything. But it was just out of the house. Sure. And he meanwhile had this corporate career and it was kind of, oh, what do they call it? I don't It's not a hobby. It was a professional hobby. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. I don't know what the cute word that people use with that. But so that's the model that I had was like, okay, go and have this career. But you can have a really serious hobby and maybe there's money involved mm. coming in and not just going out. And then you can call it a business for tax purposes. Sure. But yeah. So that's what I was going for. Gotcha. That's what I was shooting for. And, that's, and now this. <laughs> and then when my friends were like, no, man, you're really good at this. Then what I told them was, I don't want to be pushing it. Mm. I don't want to push something because I, 
uh, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm like, I'm not a salesperson. Right. And, uh, I didn't know what marketing was like at the time. I like marketing now. I like the idea of it, <laughs> but, um, which is really marketing is like creating that pull. Sure. Right. And so yeah. that I think is smart. I like that, but, yeah. uh, I didn't want to be trying to twist someone's arm to, to buy something. Right. And I think partly because of when I was in high school and my friends would come back from the music store with whatever new gear the guy thought that they needed or sold them, right? And then I'm like, no, <laughs> right. no, you can't plug these two together. Right. And I was always the guy to like break the bad news to them. of yeah. like, oh man, it's not that you got ripped off, but like you didn't know enough yeah. to have that conversation. And so you probably need to return that. Okay. Or something. <laughs> You're like a gear counselor or something. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah my, my friend initially, like what, 20 years ago, he's like, you're a tone consultant. And I was like, I like that. That's really cool. I, that's, you know, too over, it's, it's too flattering. I wasn't anything at that point, but, (laughs) but he liked that. Okay. So what happened was I made this thing for my buddy in the band with the SVT and uh, he, he liked it and it was cool and kind of doing that thing. And so, um, what I really wanted to do was basically make a really tiny tube amp. Okay. But just the preamp section of it. Sure. Right? And some of these parts, like this part here, this is the main question I get asked. Like, is this the, what is this tape thing? Right. This is the power transformer right. that takes the high voltage from the wall and converts it into the voltage that the, the circuit wants. So this was custom made, custom designed by a company in Canada. The um, same with the, the box here. They machined, different company, but they you know, machined these holes and all this stuff. Um, I didn't do that in house and I have to order, uh, I think probably 25, 26 units is like the minimum order. That was your initial run was 26 units. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it was just like, I had this idea of doing this thing for my friend. It involved kind of this leap of spending a couple thousand dollars for these parts. And at the time it was just like, Hey, it's a hobby, you know, yeah. but there was no, like, how am I going to break even? There sure. was no, you know, that type of analysis. I expected, I hoped that I would sell it, you know, at cost or that type of a thing right. to friends. Right, right, right. That's, that's pretty much was my vision. And <laughs> what happened was my parents were remodeling their kitchen. Okay. And my dad had all these ideas, like well, he could put the refrigerator here or do it like this or right, <laughs> any way that you can think of, right? Yeah. He's got all these thoughts, and my mom was just freaked out by the whole thing of like, oh my gosh, we started and you didn't know you don't have a plan, right? Right, and right, so right. she was like just totally shut down, and he got stuck because he couldn't make a decision mm-hmm. in that space, and so um, this. This to me was like my biggest takeaway, and hopefully this can help like our yeah, listeners. Sure. Um, I realized, okay, he and me, like it's very hard to be creative and critical. Okay. Like at the same time of the same idea. Yeah. So he needs someone to come in and like as a foil to him and kind of push against or say, hey, you've thrown out like these five different ideas. This one's good. The rest are terrible. Okay. That's right. And sort through it with sure, him. Sure, sure. And, and I'm the same way. I need that. And right. so I realized by this time I had a box. 
I, I had boxes of these parts in my garage. Okay. I was frustrated about it. I would just see dollar signs every time I saw, like, looked at that box. I couldn't bring myself to throw it away because, right. like, that still is useful. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, like, we've had two kids, moved three times, changed jobs. Like, my life is going on that path right, that I thought right. it was going to. And I realized I needed some help in the same way of, like, someone helped me prune off these things that I started doing. Right. And I had a handful of friends that I had t- loosely talked about Noble with, and I decided to formalize that and like, okay, you guys are going to be my advisory board. We're <laughs> nice. going to meet for drinks once a quarter. Yep. And, and they were going to help me like be critical or creative. Great. And everything. And one of the guys was Pat Chen. Okay. Who, uh, Previously, it was with mono cases, and he told me at our first meeting, man, that base DI, that's the best thing that you've done. Okay. And I was like, I had no idea. Like, I was ready to scrap all those parts. Because you were focusing more on the guitar before, that's right? just what I felt like. I I do play bass now, okay. <laughs> but I came to it through being a guitar player. Sure. And so, I've in the company of other bass players, I wouldn't identify as a bassist okay right so i'm just like insecure about that oh, if you will well, but fine. but as a guitarist i feel like oh i've played guitar right. you know for a long time <laughs> so much more comfortable saying that so i felt like i should go back into my lane right of guitar amps okay. as a hobby and not do these pedal things and he was like nope com- you're completely wrong basically okay. like isn't it amazing how this. it's often the case, right? The one thing you think is, oh, that's not it, is actually it. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And I couldn't see it. Yeah. So, but he, he pointed it out. And then, either at that same day or like at our next meeting, one of the other guys said, hey, there's this new thing, Instagram. You should be on it. Wow. I, like, okay. I wanted to tag you on it, and you're not, you're not there. Because he, um, he was like, I want to tag one of your amps. And I... Again, it was like, mm, I'm not a social media guy. Like, I like people right. in real life. It, yeah, absolutely. I'm the same. <laughs> through just like paging through, like, here's what everyone else did this weekend that's cooler yeah. than what I did. Yeah. I don't like that. And so yeah. I didn't want to be even doing that at all. But he twisted my arm, was like, you need to do it for your business. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's mm-hmm. a little different. So both of those things happened. Pat knew David Ryan Harris okay. and was like, Hey David, we're gonna be you're, you're in Santa Cruz. We're gonna come over. So Pat was my connection. Okay. Not only did he tell me don't like don't throw out those parts, right. but like double down on that. That's... And then he knew people. Okay. And right. so then what I remember is like that night that we met. The first thing you did yeah. was like take a picture of it and put it on Instagram, it on Instagram and yeah. tag me. Yeah. And so by the time I got home, like stuff is happening on my phone, yeah. and I'm feeling like man. It's this thing that I wasn't going to do in a way I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. My buddies, fortunately, came, you know, they knew. Right. And that's, that's cool. And that's what happened. Okay. So I take none of the credit for it. Um, wow. But I, I had no idea Instagram was such an integral part. Right. Early doors. Okay. Yeah. And now we've come full circle. I've left all of that behind. I've ditched all social media. I'm completely back to zero, which is a really nice feeling. It, I've, I'm sure. But it took 10 years to figure it out. Yeah. In fact, when was that? When did we, that was like 2014 or something, would it have been? That tour with Harris? When I we think came it to was. Cruz, something like that. I, I think it probably was late 
2014. And obviously, yeah. you know, the, the, the logo and everything, you were noble yeah. by then. Like, yeah. this thing was a thing by then. But how long mm-hmm. before I met you had that mm-hmm. whole process you just mentioned taken? So, in uh, it was 2005 oh, that wow. I, like, formalized the name and okay. got the business license and um, probably had a website domain. Um, but that was all guitar stuff until it was just yeah it was guitar amps and it was again my like the extent of my vision was i know 10 guitar players (laughs) they all tell me they would buy an amp from me yeah so i'll order like 10 amp kits basically you know that's what i thought was going to be happening that's not what happened none of those guys bought bought amps from me but i ended up Making a bunch of these. Oh, so the bastards. What? Yeah. And it got to the point where shortly after, again, because of my friend that kept me, told me what to do. Yeah. And because of Instagram, people started finding me through Instagram. Right. And I still had another job. Right. At that, like when we met, I still had a day job. And it... Um, How long did it take to quit that job if you have already? I presume you have. Oh, I have. Yeah, I have. Okay, yeah. Right. It was not long after that. Wow. Actually. Okay. But, um, and even that is a really funny story. Go. Because... Um, <laughs> And I hope that this is, I mean, I like want to share this because I, it's not something I ever thought would happen to me. Okay. Right. But it's something that I think could happen to anyone. Sure. And I think it's encouraging. Uh, I was off on this, you know, employee as an engineer type of thing in the Silicon Valley. Oh, wow. What okay. I thought that my career, my life was supposed to be. Sure. And um, working for a company, it was small, a semiconductor company, publicly traded, uh, some activist board members. Um, oh shoot, who's that guy? The guy, the billionaire that everyone loves to hate. I mean, they're all of them. But uh, which one, Larry what, Ellison? Right, right. Which one? Yeah, one a, of these guys. Pick a billionaire. Um, <laughs> that maybe I'll think of his name later. He, yeah. Anyway, he bought a block of shares. He wanted to have his candidates on the board. All this like public um, turmoil. The yeah. stock price is too low. It should be higher. And yeah. so, uh, ended up changing out the leadership, bringing in new management. They. It was similar to um, what Elon Musk with Twitter. It wasn't sure. Elon Musk, but it was right. like, um, same type of thing. Like every other person was fired, like gutting the in, gutting it. Yeah. yeah, in like three months, the headcount was reduced by half, and Jeez. of course, like the profits are you know the profits hasn't the changed, roof, yeah. right? The income hasn't changed, but the expenses are are lower. gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, <laughs> it just became such a toxic environment to be in, and yeah. I was feeling like this is not at all what I wanted. Um, you know, when I was in college, like working on this stuff, I never, it just seemed so good to have the job and the, sure. and it was, I didn't imagine it like this. And so, and I realized also that I was like, I had gotten sucked into it and had become unhealthy Sure. in, I was just like working too much, not seeing my family enough. I wasn't physically exercising. And so 2014 was going to be my year of health hmm. and I was going to start like nice. what do I want to do more of what do I want to do less of and one of the things like do less commuting more like exercise I wanted to like open up those boxes that were in my garage and build more things right which is partly what led to me getting those guys like help me sort out the boxes what should I keep because I don't have that much time but yeah so um and and get a new job was on the list. Okay. Right? <laughs> get a get a new job, and so I ended up getting a job with a 
startup in Switzerland that was doing face recognition. Whoa, okay. And um, just totally random. That was just the thing that happened. And the uh, in the interview process, like at the end, they're you know kind of making their offer to me and saying, oh, but by the way, you won't be an employee because we're not a U.S. company. Okay. So you'll be as far as your taxes are concerned, like you'll be 1099, you'll be a contractor okay. to us. And I, you know, we'll wire money to your bank account. You invoice us, that whole thing. It's, you don't need to be worried about it, but you just need to know. Sure. You won't be W2 employee. Right. And so I was like, well, okay, that's, that's fine. So that's where I was when Instagram started sure. like blowing up for me. Yeah. And I realized, well, okay. And this particular company, it was some uh, a couple of PhD students that like did their thesis in this, and then they're trying to like develop it into a company. Sure, it really wasn't ready for that. Okay, <laughs> okay, at that time, and I didn't know until I got in there, and then right. realized like, oh wait a minute, we, wait, we don't have any customers. Oh no, oh, right. and so like then you, know, you realize all the stuff right yeah, that was yeah, behind, yeah, yeah. and uh, so I and they're all. Young, they were they were younger than me, and so which wasn't an issue, except that I had been out and worked in a number of. I've been out working for ten years right, right, right. post college, yeah. and they were just like graduating, just expecting yeah, you know yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to get millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> VC, and yeah. so I could I was at a very low position in the company because I was one of two guys that were not in Switzerland, okay. and everyone else is over there in management and all that. And so they weren't going to they weren't listening to what I was suggesting of mm-hmm. hey we should do you know this and yeah. that. Uh, and I realized I'm, and meanwhile, people emailing me, Hey, I saw Yannick's post. I, oh, I want to buy one of those DIs from you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I would love to do that for you, but it's going to take, you know, this much time. Cause I still have this other job. Right. And I realized I'm, I'm saying yes to them uh-huh. in Switzerland. Yeah. I'm saying no to myself, to my own Sure. Right. My own thing. Again, it's the ba- it's all backwards, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I can see that they're gonna they're gonna fail. Right. Right. They're not gonna go where they think they're going. <laughs> yeah. They're not gonna go where I want them to go. Yeah. And so, but I was saying yes to them and and like not like trusting my own intuition yeah, or whatever. Sure. Not, yeah. not giving myself the, the the benefit. Yeah. So what happened was uh, Thanksgiving. We, this is probably shortly after uh, we met. It yeah. was Thanksgiving weekend. The CEO calls me. Hey, by the way, uh, we're gonna have to, you know, end your contract. Basically, like it's this a one month notice. Yeah, there's one, you know, and it's gonna be end of the year, and then that's gonna right. be it. And I talked him into like, well, how about we take you know one month and we do like two months, but half the time, sure. so same amount of money, but we'll just go to the end of January. Yeah. Because maybe we'll get some customers by then, and, and things will like go back up for the company. Sure. Not, then you can rehire me or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, I've got this other thing that's coming up in my time that I really want to spend some time in, um, but you know, but I don't know. I don't. Right. I don't know what's going to go on. And then it was Nam that year. Okay, January. Yeah. I went to Nam in January, and again, people had found me through Facebook, through Instagram. Right. A couple guys um, from Nashville. One of them turned out to play bass for Taylor Swift. I had no idea who he was. Yeah. We spent an hour walking around the show with one of these and plugging into people's booths nice. and that he knew. I'm like, oh, I'm with him. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then afterwards, he's like, dude, that thing was amazing. How do I get one? And 
that time I realized like, okay, I need to, I need to quit my job. Right. Uh, and so then I, I did, wow, but sounds, I imagine it was quick. The yeah. guys in Switzerland being like, Oh, well, Jack, Jack just quit. And we're like, no, we fired him. Right. Like, right, right, right. There was no choice. I had no choice. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. It's kind of like baked, backed in the corner, but yeah. it still took that. And I realized also that like by that time I was self-employed. Right. So it wasn't like <laughs> one day I had benefits and a salary and the next day I was soldering to my garage right, right. with nothing. I had kind of this, which I didn't plan. Right. That kind but of you had a transition me. period. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it really had to, like my arm had to be twisted pretty hard well very glad it was um i'm now desperately trying to think back to what the initial things i did with this bloody thing and because i know i was using it a ton um in 2014 i know i used it on a record date in new york uh for a trio record with near felder and gary husband and it sat right on top of the amp and my engineer was like can remember that what is this you know and uh he's a bass player plays in jojo mayer's band in nerve that's john davis I remember when Tim got his, um, and Sean Hurley as well uh, was yeah, yeah. early in the mm-hmm. in the process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Kelly, maybe from mm-hmm. the Roots. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not been in touch with him for a long time, but we actually went to Berkeley together back oh, in no the day. Oh, yeah. yeah, no way. There was a whole little group of bass players, yeah. really good bass players that time, and and Mark was one of them. Um, but you managed to get it into uh, some pretty visible places pretty early on um so obviously that had an impact on the self-marketing element yeah. of it right yeah yeah um how like i've always been curious about well first of all i used to be the guy whose opening line was i'm not a gear guy you know 15 years ago <laughs> i had three pedals and just wasn't interested now i'm the fucking pedal guy yeah, on youtube with you know wall. with the walls yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. storage lockers full of like hundreds of pedals <laughs> Well, me and Juan Alderete, right? You know, so kind of known for that shit. I'm always amazed, and you can tell me to get lost if you don't want to talk about this element of it, like the price, because I know that's a mm. massive factor in this world. I'm always fascinated yeah. how the price comes around. Yeah, and I hear a lot of people. And it's not just this. There are pedals that are priced this way and far above, three, four times the amount. And there's the faction of Gear 4 and people who are like, oh my God, who would ever pay that kind of money for it? Then there are the people who are grounded in reality who are like, well, it's actually worth it and I'd gladly pay that kind of money. How do you navigate that world? Because it's two really opposing ends of a very wide spectrum. Yeah. And you find your happy place and there's you and there's Caveman Audio and Ready D. These are like a bunch of people who are not making cheap shit. Right. You know, and you... I'm, do you have a back order now? Like, are you always pretty yes. full with orders? Yeah, sig- okay. significantly. I've never not had people waiting. Okay. Uh, which I don't love. That right. was not, on one sense, that was not by design. But on the other way, looking back and and knowing who I am and, and kind of how I got here, it had to be that way sure. because I really had to be pushed into doing it or uh-huh. pulled, if right, you will. Right, right. And so... I was never building these things up and then trying to sell them. Uh-huh. It was like I had this other job and enough people came and demanded. <laughs> and, yeah, and requested yeah. and was like, how can I? Or um, initially, I don't know if it was even on the website to order and people would just contact me from your right, from your the- Instagram <laughs> post or someone's post, yeah. Tim. And yeah. um, 
But once it was on the website and just emails would show up like so-and-so ordered so-and-so. I'm like, I don't even know these people. Right, right, right. right? They're buying this from me. <laughs> I've never met them. Right. Um, so it initially it was very hard for me to set the price mm-hmm. because um, I was not trying to make a business out of it. Sure. I was trying to just cover my costs, but I also really like building it. Sure. And so even today, I still like, I solder everything. I put it all together. So that's time. That's the most valuable commodity we have is time. Yeah. So I I understand. And people have, um, I mean, especially like in the tech world, like people that I know, as soon as I had quit my other job and they're like, great, when are you going to, you know, get a shop, hire a bunch of guys, outsource to China, whatever, right. like scale up, scale, right, scale. Right. And <laughs> feeling like, no, that's not the vision in my head. Like I enjoy crafting something. Sure. Um, and so I want to be the guy that has his hands on it as much as I can. Right. So that that goes into that's um you know one angle of the cost of it is sure. like okay well I've got you know my rent is this much and my and so on and yeah. so and how many can I make this was the first time that I probably sat down and was like okay how many how much money do I need to make how many can I make right in a week and then like divide that and okay sure. here's what I need to make on it um a lot of the, I'm still working with a number of the same suppliers that I initially started with, okay. and they're in the United States. They're not manufacturing overseas, right? So That's parts great. like it's a different design now for this transform, but uh-huh. like this is is made in the USA. Yeah, um, the the machining of the enclosure is still done uh, by Hammond, who who makes the enclosures. Yeah, so there is a cost of parts that. Uh, is probably and my the numbers that I make, of course, is not. I'm not ordering 25 at a time anymore. Right, 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 right. Uh, right. But it's still not multiple thousands, right, of type of thing. And so, it's, yeah, it's not a multi-million get, dollar industry, right, you've right, created, right. It's right. still. So I yeah. get some quantity break, but if you're able to, like a pedal that's small that you can order, you know, the more units of it yeah, from a factory in China, then yeah, exactly. it's, yeah, yeah. So I don't really get to take advantage of of those type of things. Um, I have been, the problem that I've had occasionally has been like, I have too many orders waiting. Right. And people will sell, tell me like, dude, you just, you gotta raise your price. That's the only lever you have. Right. You know, it like, is. Yeah. And I feel really, or close sales, but, like close the store. I thought about that. I joked about that with my wife. Like, I'm just going to take the website down and no, like, you don't no, have no, to don't take do it. That. You just have but, to have a waiting list. Have people yeah. sign up and then you blast them and say, hey, they're going on sale. There are a hundred of them. Good luck. There you go. Yeah. Be there at 8.59 a.m. to yeah. get that 9 a.m. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know a bunch of independent guys who do that. Drollo and um, mm. uh, Iron Ether and a bunch of small people who are just one person in a room making them. That's true. So they would build it up and then like, okay, batch of a hundred. Yeah. When they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's one way of doing it. If yeah. I don't know, like it, it sounds like having orders outstanding is is a stressor, or can be a it, little bit. It definitely is. Um, I've largely like 
at this point now, uh, <laughs> I've acclimated to my success, okay. if you will. I don't <laughs> nice. know. Own it. Man. I feel I, totally. like that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, there's still a tension in me, though. Uh, every time that I raise the price, mm-hmm. of feeling like, man, my my vision was to serve musicians yeah. di- as directly as possible sure. and as professional as possible, yep. let's say, yeah, yeah. For, for them. And just want to provide really quality service to people that are able to appreciate it and, and use it. Uh, yeah, really use it to the max. And right? often, yeah. though, may or may not be able to afford it, and that's the, right. the frustration sure. for me. So how do I provide a doorway for the pros, but then, you know, Joe lawyer who's got a bazillion dollars, but just wants all the cool gear. I don't want to say no to him either, but I don't want to tart. He's not my market. I'm really working for the, the musician. So what has worked out is a waiting list. Do you know how Um, many you've made? Do you have a ballpark? I, well, yes, actually. Um, at this, this morning, yeah, <laughs> I took number two thousand two hundred eighty to UPS. Wow, twenty two eighty. So That's amazing. Because the thing, yeah. uh, observation I've made over the years is people seem to get them and keep them. They don't turn yeah. over as much as some yeah. other expensive pieces. Yeah, and there's not so much of like the um, the scalping market with your like you've seemed to have been not completely immune because no one's immune, but more right. immune than right. most boutique manufacturers. Right from the scalpers which is incredible like yeah you could imagine paying a grand or 1200 whatever they are now and seeing it for 2500 bucks two days later on reverb and going god damn it right you know right some motherfucker will pay that well, you know like <laughs> yeah. but i well, don't see that so that much is, with you like have you experienced yeah. some of that or uh i would say yeah um because i think there is one right now on reverb for uh for 2500 but is it like one or are there 15 of them? Just one. Okay. Yeah. See, that's the thing so, I see. Right. You know, there are other pedals that right. come out and two days late, like Chase Bliss, right. get destroyed. Oh, they man. put out a new pedal and there are like 40 of them the next week for yeah. double the price, you know? I wonder if that is the, like if they are doing a batch thing, if somehow someone's able to like use a bot. or Well, that's the thing. Anyway. With, with batch, yeah, I think that is and it has been an that. issue with them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with me, it's just... Um, I like the rhythm of, you know, I can do maybe, it's like every three days I have two that I can ship. Okay. And so I'll just, I'll just mail them individually to that person. Nice. And then so you're start it again. The, you're still going to the post office yourself. Well, fortunately, I don't have to do that. Okay. But only because my mailman's awesome. And he okay. gave, like, I have his cell number. And oh, so I just wow. text him like, hey, I got two. <laughs> all right, I'm over here. I'll be there. It's really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Man. It's all this little, like, the, the people that are involved in the supply chain. That's you know, super that cool. That totally makes, yeah. makes it worthwhile. Um, and I think that translates. Like, I get that feeling from the, 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 the thing and from you as a company and what I have mm. experienced, like seeing it in the world from mm. the bass player, from the musician's perspective. That's what I experience. I experience people being like, this sounds amazing. I want one. I'll wait. I'll get one. I'm never fucking getting rid of it. Yeah. It's like the Walter yeah. Woods bass head. Like, it took yeah. forever for that guy to Man. make them. It took five years waiting list sometimes, and nobody mm-hmm, sells them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're, nope, that's mine. Right, passing it to my great grandchildren. Yes, you yes. know, going to the grave. Yeah, so um, I kind of feel that, which is super nice. Um, yeah, 
Is there anything like specific, like if you were to go into like marketing mode mm. and you had to come up with like a, a, a one liner, like what is the thing about it from your perspective that it does? Because I know what it feels like for me, but mm. what's the thing that you put out there conceptually in the unit? If you had to sum it up in kind of one line. The, well, I hope this answers your question. Yeah. I would try to even put it as one word. Okay. The thing that I try to put into the device that I want the device to do for the customer is inspiration, Perfect. is inspire. Right. And when I started playing music, we didn't know really what it was called at the time, but I now know it's more of a jam band okay. type of thing. Yep. And it was much more of a like, we're not all like reading charts or anything. Mm -hmm. We're making it up. Sure. And so the way that you sound in that moment, like makes you play differently or do a certain thing. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. It's a very, we weren't playing jazz, but I think jazz has that. There's an improvisational element to it. Right. For sure. Yeah. And I didn't know everyone that I was just around. That's just how it was. So I thought that's just what playing music was like. It wasn't until much later in life that I've met people that, that can't, improvise that mm-hmm. never had that they you know maybe learned in more like in school with the classical thing and i didn't have that and right. so that there's skills there too that i don't have but um i for me when it sounds good i just feel good and it makes me want to do makes me feel like i'm a better than i am maybe yeah, or or feels like i am actually as good as i think i am yeah but it makes certain things come out of me as a musician and so i wanted to I want now, that is kind of the vision that I want with the company, is to be able to inspire that creativity. Very cool. But um, and kind of like that and the personal connection also, the relationship. With the users. Really. With the, or, the user's relationship with the gear, but okay. the user's relationship with me sure. also through right. the gear. Right, right, right. And uh, that was another thing that I have to credit to my friend Pat it was always noble amplifier company okay and on the early websites it was like we this and that there was no pictures of me there okay. was no i no i just it we. was okay. like there's multiple people here and we're a big organization <laughs> and pat was the one that um pointed out to me well he was like hey i'm going to come over with my camera gear and i'm going to take a picture of you in your shop and i want you to your job is to write a little bio and we're going to put that on the website. Okay. And I was like, I'm terrified of that because I just want to hide behind we. Sure. And then I, you know, my creative expression will not be, uh, you know, as vulnerable sure. somehow. Sure, sure. And, but he, the more I thought about it, I realized one, he's totally right in, I think in general, but specifically to me, what I do want is that relationship. Okay. And you can't have a relationship with a company right. as much as with people. Sure, sure. So Amazing. Again, that was something that someone else told me. I would have done it differently. I would have been wrong. I mean, that's great, though, that you listened and you were open to it. I think that's like a testament to how it's ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, personally for me, the way you described it is actually exactly the way I experience it. Oh, it cool. is that thing that you, and I think it's more about you give yourself more credit for how good you are. 
yeah. in a non-egotistical way. It's yeah, not yeah. like, oh, suddenly I'm the baddest bass player in the world. It's just, oh, right. shit, all these things are in there. Yeah, all these I things can do that, this. Yes, I can yeah. do this. I've heard these things. Uh-huh. They can come out of my instrument the way I hear them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be mangled and sound shitty. Mm-hmm. You know, and preamp is like a, is such a personal thing as well, mm-hmm. right? Like, full disclosure, this is not the only preamp I use or yeah. own, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's and it's it's a kind of an amazing flavor, especially the tube thing. I mean, it is very addictive. Let's say, <laughs> you know, when I have the choice, yeah. I'm yeah. going for it. You yeah. know, it's. Um, it's that warm uh, sort of depth of uh, of color, I think, in the sound for, for bass players that is uh, sort of priceless. And the fact yeah. that you can move around with yeah. it in a mildly compact yeah. version is not carrying that freaking SVT. Right, around. right, right. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, well, you, and that's where me, like as a guitarist, uh, I'm like, man, what a guitarist what are we all about? It's tube amps and it's pedal boards. Yes. And so I felt like that's what, you know how i was trying to make this happen for bass players sure and i had no clue about what bass gear was like right and fortunately i had already committed and was going down the road when i learned about the ready and the other ones yeah and like ah, oh, shoot i wouldn't have ever done this if, if i had known about your... that oh, wow. right i would have thought oh that's what they want but now wow. i feel like i have a good story but it's coming from me it's not coming from me as an engineer or um or a sound sound guy right. front of house it's me as a musician on the stage sure especially as a guitarist the amp the amplifier is part of the instrument yeah right and if you you know if you have clapton and hendrix and whatever but you take away their amps not yeah. the same at all right, right? right and right. so the amp is part of the instrument and i didn't ever think about it with bass that a lot of times you show up and they're like, here's your DI right. or, you know, here's a radial, whatever. Yeah. And there's Especially no amp. Especially in the studio, you know? Yeah. And um, so this is like, okay, well, what does the amp do? I, uh, there, there are guitarists out there that just want, uh, you know, a Les Paul and a Marshall. Right. And that's it. <laughs> Classic. And I was never, I didn't grow up on a Marshall amp. I had more like the clean amp with the pedals. And so I wanted to make, a thing that had tubes and was on the pedal board. The original, well, not the original. When I was dreaming about this thing mm-hmm. and drawing pictures of it before I made a single one, yeah. it had a foot switch, ah. right? Because it's a pedal. Yeah, was what I was thinking. It's a tube pedal. It's got to have a foot switch. But yeah. the more I thought about it, I was like, "Well, why, what do you, why would you turn it off?" What I want to make is something that just goes after all the effects, but it's not an effect. It's just makes everything sound better. There's one use case for a foot switch on yeah. a preamp. It's so stupid, but it is a use case. And it's one, you could maybe make just one of them and send it around to a bunch of people and they could use it and send it on. It's to make fucking YouTube videos. <laughs> to A, B, right. the sound. Here's my clean tone. Yes. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the only thing. Like I literally have to set up a completely different shot and say, yeah, the noble's not in it, and now put the noble in, plug it, and now it's That's in there, true. and here's the AB. Yes. And you do that once, two, three times, or whatever. You don't have to make hundreds of videos about it, but that is the only use case I've found for the foot switch. Yeah. Um, I've always been, especially as, as this was like an earlier model, and the tubes are out, and it's a little more exposed, I've always been a little bit uh, wary of taking it. I think this is maybe yeah. a little less uh, road warrior-ish than your newer versions, right? And I saw on the new ones, yeah. you have like more outputs for other pedals, right? Like, yes. Like maybe six outputs? There's for... six now. Yeah. 18 volts was a request early on. There is there is not 18 volts inside of the unit, so I can't 
bring that out to a thing. What I finally figured out was how to make a converter mm-hmm. that takes nine volts and it bumps it up to 18 volts. Gotcha. And I solder cables to it and then sell it as a cable. Ah, cool. Does that make sense? So that's so, available on your website. That's now. on my okay, website. Awesome. Yeah. And what I like about that is then I'm giving them a cable and the end that's 18 volts is labeled with a little red tag that says 18 volts. Right. So then when you just have the end, you're like, okay, yeah, that one has to go over here. Right. And you, you know which one that is. Cool. Uh, and it can, it's not like people have to send their units back to me to yeah. have 18 volts added to it. They right. can just buy that cable and Do use the it bumper, if yeah. they want to. Well, I bought it back to you after all these years for a little service. I did yeah. manage to uh, step on it when I was in the studio and the ground switch is and, non-functioning. And I appreciated that actually because... Uh, Someone pointed out to me on when I was first posting these, yeah. and I had it with the tube shields off, so the uh-huh. tubes would like oh wow, super stick out. Yeah, because again, tube. I wanted to inspire. I sure. think tubes are cool. I think I want to cool. see them. They inspire. You never me. see those for bass players. No, right? yeah. yeah. So and then one dude was like, oh, I would never put that on my pedal board. It <laughs> would break at my first gig or something. <laughs> Moment, someone stepped on it, yeah. and we realized, oh, okay, shoot, he's right. Yeah. Um, but what actually, no one has ever broken the tubes. By stepping on them. But someone has broken this ground switch. Right. At least one other person than you. Okay. So um, that's when I realized, oh, this is actually the more fragile part. Right. And so I used smaller switches. Okay. Now, um, what is it? Oh, we should talk about this. Tell me. This deep. um, Yes. So this deep switch, I now moved it. Okay. On the newer one. So it's like between the EQ knobs. Gotcha. Because the knobs are actually pretty tough oh so they can um, shield it and they so they kind of shield it, it. yeah oh, so great. that was the idea of like a tuck it kind of next to those nice um the, <clears throat> i should have used a different word okay because oh. apparently deep means like a bass boost okay to some people okay it, what does it mean to you it, well what it really is is it's full range it's flat but it's just no like, okay. you know, really wide bandwidth. Gotcha. Or if you turn it off, then it, it cuts the low end. Okay. So, okay. so if you go not deep, yep. then it's low cut. Okay. Uh, so deep. and But does deep bypass the EQ or not? It doesn't bypass okay. the EQ, but it's, um, it's kind of after the EQ. Gotcha. Uh, I just wasn't sure. I figured, okay, the bass player will probably want the full range, but yeah. the front of house might want to like, roll off the bass sure. so they can have the kick drum in the mix like there. In the yeah, mix yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. And so that's kind of what this was for. And well, it's good to know after <laughs> yeah. nine years. <laughs> yeah. So now I tell people like, oh, just get a label maker right flat right, right there because that's usually the question I get was like, deep off is flat, right? And like, actually, no. no. Opposite. Deep yeah. is flat. Um, well, I do prefer, yeah, flat, to be honest, when I'm, when I'm playing live. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And then certain situations in the studio, I'll pop it over. <laughs> so when, on the new, you know, the the, the new ones, yeah. the production ones, it's not a word; it's just a picture. Okay. It's it's a line, and then a line with like with the, a dip in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with gotcha. sloping down. Which nice. was I don't know if it's on. Oh, it's on it's the bottom on of these some mics of these here. microphones, right on the bottom, right? Yeah, yeah like yeah. that's the little graphic. <laughs> yeah. Um, a friend of mine pointed out, like, hey, something like that, you know, would yeah. be easier to understand. Absolutely. Again, friend said it. Amazing. They were totally right. So, um, is it noble.com or noble amps, your website? Nobleamps.com. Nobleamps.com. Yeah. Um, dude, it's 
Great to see you. I really appreciate you taking the time, Thank telling you. stories, oh, my and being able to reminisce about where it all started. And uh, you're going to take this from me, give it a quick once over, yeah, and send it back, and it will be back in my studio. I actually have a video coming out with this. Maybe by the time this podcast is out, that video will be out as well. I should tell people that this is on the podcast channel. My main channel is at uh, Yannick Gustala on YouTube. And um, yeah, kind of a one-pedal challenge. If you could only take one thing with you when you left the house to go on a gig, what would it be? Yeah. So for me, there were kind of five big brackets, and one of them was wow. a preamp slash DI, you know, modulation, fuzz, whatever, octave. And uh, yeah, we shot this out. I shot this out rather with, uh, with three others and you know different options, different price points. It always sounds amazing. Um, I know there are people drooling over it right now as they listen. <laughs> and it's one of those things like, I am the pedal guy. I have a bunch of vintage stuff. And I always say, okay, do you really need a Sovtech Big Muff? They cost a fortune. No, you mm. don't really. Like, this is actually one of the things that I'd say, yeah, it's worth the wait. It's worth the money. You know, I, as my track record of the internet will show, I've used it since the day you gave it to yeah. me. So that's, I'm not... This is not a marketing. This is not sponsored by Noble. Okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it really is one of those pieces that there's a reason there's only one on Reverb right now. You know, and I yeah. really, I, at the, the amount of scalping I see going on, I really very much appreciate mm. the fact that people keep hold of these things and they respect it for what it is. So, um, dude, you're the man. Thanks for coming by. Oh, really my pleasure. It. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, man. <laughs>